Last week, we started a new series called Detox. I've got to ask, for those of you who went with us on the six-day journey, was it good? Was it bad? Did you make it all six days, or were you like me? I had a really good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday. I was like, oh, we got church again, so I got to get myself ready again. And I had a good Thursday. No, just me? Come on. Don't even lie to me. You guys are... It's true. Thank you for telling the truth. Uh, it is hard, but it's a journey. It's a process that we are all on. Uh, one of the things that we detoxed this week was negativity. Um, it became a game in our house. Every time Abigail or Adrian would say something negative, I'd call them out. And then they started calling me out, and I realized how negative we really are. You don't really think you're negative. You really don't think you're negative until your daughter starts calling you out and you give her a dollar every time you say something negative and you're like, this week cost me $43. <laughs> this is crazy. How does that work? I was like, wow, I got to really work on this. Um, my mom told me on Monday when I was at their house, uh, she said, Taylor, as you were talking, God was speaking to me and uh, she said uh, on this, this negative uh phrasing and she said over the past year I have focused in on God's word because of the situation that she was uh, dealing with and she said anytime I hear negative talk it hurt me to my core and she said I, I, I knew but I didn't realize until you were talking it kind of made sense to me that whenever you've detoxed a certain area you become more sensitive in that area and she said I had detoxed all negative thoughts language wording in my life and so whenever I would hear it it just hurt me a little bit differently. And again, that is because you have become more sensitive to that area that you detoxed. I pray that some of you had similar experiences this week, that you grew closer to Jesus, just, just one step closer this week than you were last week. So I want to encourage you to go back if you weren't here and, and watch that message. We detoxed this last six days, doubt negativity, and this was a big one, it was sin. Um, very practical, but I believe, and you've heard me say this phrase a dozen times over the last month and a half, if we're going to have the best version of ourselves that we've ever had, we're going to have to do some things different this year than what we did last year, and that for us looks like we detox some different things. Um, very practical, very much where we're at and what's going on in us desiring more of God. And if we're going to have more of God in our life, we've got to become more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be more sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, we've got to be detoxed in some areas so we can be more sensitive to his moving. We talked about it last week. Detox is a removal of a toxic substance from a living organism. We as believers are a triune being. Terence said it a while ago, a spirit, a soul, and a body. We need to detox each of these areas in our life. Last week we focused on the spirit side. Today we're going to focus on the soul side to have a detox. So let's look in our outline and look at our theme verse for this series as Curran reads 2 Corinthians 6 14, and I will cut you off at the bolds. Do not be unequally yoked. Yoked, a Greek word. Kona nias. It means to not have common fellowship with. So what 
Paul is writing is do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not have common fellowship. He's not saying you can't be friends. What he is saying is you don't want the influence of that ungodliness to penetrate your life. Keep going. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple. We are the temple. You have to monitor what you put in the temple. Whatever you put in the temple comes out of the temple. Do you have to keep your temple clean? Yes. So you have to monitor what you put in your temple. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. We need to examine how close we become to the world. Your soul is your, uh, is your mind what you think. Your will is what you do and your emotions what you express. Hopefully, you can quote it by now. To have the best version of ourselves, we are going to have to have a detox. So, for the last six days, we detox the spirit side. This week, we are going to focus on detoxing the soul side. Um, we can do it. Six days. I'm not asking for a lifetime of fasting. Just six days. We're trying to have a better version of ourselves, and we want to take it one step at a time. There are a bunch of expressions of our soul. And when I began to prepare this message, I literally wrote down 30 different expressions of the soul, and then I kind of whittled that down to four different expressions that I want us to look at because we did it last week. We had a spirit detox and a spirit growth. Today, we're going to have a soul detox and a soul growth portion to this message. So if we are going to have a detox in our soul, what does that look like? Let's start looking in your outline and let's fill out some blanks here. Number one, if we are going to detox our soul, we have to have, write down number one, unforgiveness. We've got to detox unforgiveness. If you think you need to express your opinion and you made yourself get all worked up about something and you're mad at somebody who did something to you 15 years ago, you might need a detox of unforgiveness. I've heard it said this way, unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping the person you hate dies of smoke inhalation. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 15 in your outline says, Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Don't let unforgiveness set root in your life. We're not going to dive deep into these today. I think you understand what it means. If you have unforgiveness in your life, you know if you do or not. And if you're going to have the best version of yourself this year that you've ever had, you've got to deal with that unforgiveness. Okay? Number two, look in your outline. The answers of all these are on the screens behind me if you get lost behind. Number two, if we're going to detox our soul, you've got to detox comparison. <laughs> that one already spoke to you, huh? 
Don't compare yourself to someone else. Don't try to, if, if your story is always someone tells a story and you have to one-up it, the root cause of your comparison is your personal identity. If you feel the need to compare to someone else, the root cause is really how you feel about yourself. You are not comfortable with yourself, so you have to either A, put down other people to make, you, make yourself feel better, or B, justify why they're there and you're not, which ultimately leads back to you're not happy with yourself. The Bible has something to say about this in James. Look in your outline. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Listen wherever, to this verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. The Bible says you will find evil of every kind. If this is you, you have a soul that needs detoxed. You have a soul that is bitter. And, and what's it say? It affects everything you do. Hmm. Every kind of evil that comes out of your life comes out of a place of comparison of jealousy, of selfish ambition. Number three, we need a soul detox. Anger. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of just people that are just mad all the time. You know, you know anybody like that? You're driving down Main Street. This happened to me like two weeks ago. It was kind of funny. But driving down Main Street, driving in my work van, a guy cuts me off. I don't really care, but what happened was the car in front of him that was in our lane stopped, and so he swerved back over in this lane. Well, that car stopped even longer, and I just went right by him, kind of smiling, like, ha, this stinks for you. And then about 35, 40 seconds later, he comes running up by me and flips me off and cuts me off. And I'm just like, wow, man, it stinks to be you. Like, if this is your reaction, man, that's got to stink to let somebody else control your emotions and have complete control of you. That's, that's, that's some anger issues. Do, do, do you have anger issues? Maybe you're, the, maybe you're the opposite of, like, you retaliate. Some people just, when they get mad, they just, they just blow up. But some of you maybe have turtle anger. <laughs> you know what turtle anger is. I don't even have to say it. You guys already kind of get the idea. When you got turtle anger, it's you just bottle it all in, nothing happens. And then three, four, five, six years later, all of a sudden, you go off and kill three people. You know what turtle anger is. You go in, yeah, that's the extreme. We're just going extreme here. When you have turtle anger, you let all this stuff bottle up, and you end up taking it out on those who are closest to you. You need a detox. If that's you, that's okay. We just need a detox in that area. We just got to look at this week and say, if I'm going to have the best version of myself, I can't let other people have control of my emotions. James 4, in your outline, 
Top of the back page says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Do you know where your anger comes from? From the evil desires within you. We use our words to express anger. Your words have the ability to change a situation. But whenever you're angry and you release those words, it doesn't change you. Does that make sense? If you are anger, if you're angry and you use words to try to change the situation, did it change you in the situation? It created bitterness in you. It hurt the person you were talking to or about. You got to follow me close on this. When your soul is sick with anger, you want to change situations by yelling and getting mad and letting your anger go. But here's the difference. God wants to change you. So whenever you get angry, instead of you getting mad or yelling or getting frustrated, use that as a learning opportunity for God to change something inside of you instead of you trying to take control of the situation and changing the person that supposedly made you mad. All right. You get that, right? I don't need to hound on that one anymore. Okay. Number four, the fourth and final detox of our soul of the expression that we need to look at this is going to be a big one worry or fear in your outline worry is assuming a responsibility that God never intended for you to have we all worry about things the question is not are you a worrier the question becomes what do you do when it comes time that you worry when you look at the economy, it's worrisome. When you look at our current state of events, it's worrisome. Whenever you look at a marriage that's failing, it's worrisome. Whenever you look at a relationship with a child or a loved one that is opposite of where it should be, it's worrisome. But what do we do when worry comes our way? In your outline, it says Matthew 6, 27. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? I find great comfort in what the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament. He said, I am a stranger to this land. My citizenship is heaven. We worry about things that just don't matter. How many of you ever built up a situation in your head that never even came to pass. We worry about things, and whenever those things come, what does worry do? It builds within us a resistance for what God wants to do. What does the Bible tell us to do with worry? Cast it on Jesus. I'm not saying be lazy and don't do anything. Don't hear me that way, but do hear me. When a, when a problem comes, you give that problem to Jesus, and don't you keep speaking that problem into existence. You speak the word of God into existence, into your problem, and that worry will no longer have effect on you. 
We need a soul detox. I don't think any of us of these four haven't dealt with these in the past, probably in this last week. <laughs> but again, if we're going to have the best version of ourselves, we've got to be honest with each other and do some things in us that are going to change us. In order for us to do that, we've got to recognize the areas where we're weak in and say, God, I am weak in these areas, but I know you can make me strong. And so I am going to detox. I'm going to do consciously. I'm going to be aware this week to do everything that I can to detox these areas in my life for the next six days. We talked about it last week. But the, the, the important part of detoxing is what you get out. But what is more important is what you put in. You can detox yourself to malnutrition and think you're doing good. But if you're not putting the right things in you, the detox will actually not do the benefit of what it was supposed to do. So whenever you have a detox, a cleansing, you remove the yuck and you've got to put the right stuff back in you. So what are the right things, if we're going to build up our soul, what are the right things that we're going to have to put back in us? In your outline, Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. If your soul is toxic, if your heart is toxic, it will impact every single area of your life. The Bible is saying here, in the condition of your soul determines the outflow of what happens in your life. How do we develop your soul? Write down number one. Right relationships. You've got to have people in your life that are supporting you the way that God wants you to be supported. Terrence mentioned it a while ago. They, a group of about 20 or 17, I think, went to the movies Friday night. It is a fun outing. I got to hear from Mike Riddle all about hot sauce that he loves to make and how the hotter it is, the better it is. That It was a relationship that was established and that builds the connection with each other. And as we build that connection with each other, it allows God and God's people People to interfere or come into our life and move in us the way that we need to be moved in. You can do that through small groups. We have a small group at mom and dad's house on Wednesday night. If you want to go, go. It, it's not, it, it's about ironing, sharpening iron. Oh, in, in uh, Matthew, the centurion said, uh, Jesus, if you, can heal my, if you can heal my servant, he will be healed. If the centurion didn't have the faith to go to Jesus, what would have happened to his, his, his servant? So maybe your friends are more important than what you think. Because if your friend is full of faith, hmm, I don't know. We all have moments in our life when we need someone to talk to about something and and, and maybe your friend is that friend that whenever something happens, they say, where are we going to meet him outside? We can go meet him after work. We got, we'll take care of this. If that's their response. Hmm. Is that the right kind of friend to say, hey, hold on. I'm going to call you out. That's the right kind of friend. We need friends that are going to call us out. We need friends that are going to hold us to the fire. We need friends that are say, hey, man, I've been watching your attitude. Check it. Or, hey, I've been seeing this curve that you've been walking down. You don't realize it, but you're going down the wrong path. It's not going to do you any good. How many of you, whenever you were younger, did something you didn't want to do because the influence of a friend? Don't even lie to me. Every one of us in here are guilty. 
Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. <laughs> There's some foolish people doing some foolish things, and if we're not careful, we'll jump right in the bandwagon with them. I don't know about you, but I want to walk with idiots. I want to walk with the godly. I want God to move in my life. I want the presence of God to be real in my life. I want to be in a position to be used by God, that everywhere I go, they go, that someone says, hey, there's something different about him. I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something different. If the people around you are not pushing you that way, the centurion servant would have died. How many times in the Bible, I can think of another one where, uh, um, of Lazarus, Martha came, is it Martha? Uh, came to Jesus and said, if you would have just been here sooner, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But he said, he's asleep, don't worry about it. Because she kept going and saying, Jesus, even to this point, I still know that whatever you say can come to pass, I believe what will happen. A friend stood in the gap for Lazarus. Do you have friends that are going to stand in your gap? Number two, if we're going to have a soul growth, we've got to have right relationships. Get around the right kind of people. Number two, write this down. You've got to have a God-defined identity. Don't let your feelings define you. Don't let your thoughts define you. Don't let social media, don't let Hollywood. The only one that can define you is what God has for your life. And if you see yourself the way that God sees you, you will see every outcome through the word of God, not the way you think the outcome should become. It says in your, in your outline in Galatians 6. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. <laughs> in other words, you need to work on yourself. If you, if you know who you are, it simplifies a lot of things. Let me give you a very practical understanding of this. I own a carpet cleaning business. Now, if you call me and say, hey, can you come and do electrical at my house? What's my answer? No. Why not? It's beyond what my business operates in. Did you, I don't think you got that. I was waiting for the aha moments. They didn't come. So let me say this a different way. <laughs> because I know what I am capable of doing, I don't operate outside of that. Whenever I have an identity given to me by God, I know what that God-defined identity looks like. So therefore, that anything that comes against that identity, I will not operate in because it's not what I'm capable of doing. Is that a little clear? If I'm only capable of operating in this line of operation, I'm not going to take on somebody else's offense because that's not my line of operation. Whenever I know my identity, that I am who I am in Christ, when someone comes up to me and says, you're a loser, do I take that on? Why not? 
because that's not my identity in Christ. So therefore, I'm only going to operate and function inside of my identity and everything outside of that is irrelevant to me because that's not how I operate. It's not how I think. It's not how I talk. It's not how I live. It is nothing about who I am. Now, does that make sense? So who am I? I am a child of God. I am blessed. I am highly favored. I am happy. I am healthy. I am whole. I am a joyful person, no matter what my wife says. I have the joy of the Lord that gives me strength. I am the righteousness of Christ. I walk in victory. I love how David said that everything that my hand touches is blessed and prosperous. That's the identity that I walk in. Anything outside of that, I don't know. It's not what I do. Because if I were to go to Terrence's house, who owns Waters Electric, and said, hey, I'm going to fix your house, he would look at me and say, there's the door. Get out. You don't know what you're doing. But if I go inside there and he says, hey, let me show you where to put all this stuff, it begins to shape what I'm capable of doing. So we come to church and say, God, I don't know what I'm here to do, but we go to church and God begins to shape you and make you and mold you into something that your identity is found in the relationship that you have with him. My identity begins to define how my soul will prosper. Number three, if you're going to have soul growth, you need to have a crucified life. Start every day finding the things that are not like God and put them to death. A crucified life is a lifestyle. Look in your outline. It says in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to make the choice to let some things go. Replace God, the flesh part of me, with the spirit part of me. Whenever you put something to death, that thing you put to death no longer has any sort of effect on you. Let me give you an illustration. Have you ever, <laughs> have you ever gone to a, a, a person that's died and yelled at them and poked at them and they got mad at you? They responded to you in a weird way? No. Why? That thing no longer has life. And when that thing no longer has life, it no longer has an effect by anything that happens to it. So whenever you crucify your life, there are things that you have to put to death. And those things you put to death no longer have any effect on you. If you poke it, you prod it, you the expression doesn't change. What things are in your life that you need to put to death? Those things that just keep coming back. They keep, and you've got to come at a place and finally say, I'm putting this to death. It no longer has a hold on anything in my life. You need to lean in on this last one. Number four, if you're going to have soul growth, you need to live with an eternal perspective. 
You have to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. I'm going to wear this life like a loose garment. You are of this world, or you are in this world, but you are not of this world. So therefore, whatever the world has to offer, this world is not my home. Go ahead. It says in Colossians 3, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sight on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor of God's right hand. Verse 2, think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. This is my prayer for you today. That we live our lives with an eternal perspective. If we're going to have the best version of ourselves this year, we have to live with eternity at a stake. I don't know if you guys realize this, but it's close. The return of Jesus is close. And if we don't live our lives in such a way, we will squander this time when God says, I want you to think on the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.